How you guys doing this evening? Good. Good? Is this loud enough for you? You can bring it down a little bit. Just a little bit. Don't be too loud tonight. Okay, that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you guys have for a uh, prayer request tonight? Yes, Autumn. All right. Robin, would you pray for Nathan, please? Father, I don't even know what to pray for Nathan. I know he needs you, and I know he needs deliverance, and I know that um, without you, there is no deliverance. And so, God, I just pray that you will speak to his heart in a massive way, God, and just be so real to him that he understands who he is in you, Father, and how much that you love him and how much you want to see him whole much you want to deliver him from, from these drugs and from the things that are going on in his life and how anxiety and all of these things, God. And I just pray, God, that you can take the blinders off of his eyes, the lies that Satan has told him, that um, the enemy is just constantly feeding him, God. I just pray somehow you can break through that. We know that all things are possible with you. You are the God who sees. You are the almighty I am. And so I know that, he, that you can do this. And I know if you just put those trust in him, Father, his life can be turned upside. God, I just pray that you'll just bring him to Autumn, God, and encourage his heart. I know that he loves him and she's worried, and yet, you know, she doesn't know what to do, Father. So I just pray that she'll learn to put her hope in you and rest in the fact that um, you see Nathan and you love Nathan and that you love her. And that um, you're just working all things out. And we just pray for a strong Nathan, God, in this this evening. Amen. All right. Peter, right?
Mandy, would you pray for them, please? Yeah. All right, sorry. Amen. Thanks, Mandy and Debbie. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, Rich. Yeah, I just got a report just like before we came. So they found a machine. It worked. They got the the scan done today. Um, It doesn't look good, but it's going to be two or three days before they know the results. Uh, But even the person, the, the, the... technician they're not supposed to say anything about it but even he was like oh it's bad (laughs) so i don't know what i mean it's good they know now so they can get in and do surgery on it and um yeah that'll be nice to have that done because he can't move at all and uh you know how my dad is he likes to do a lot of things so yeah just keep praying uh for him if you want to go ahead and do that rich that'd be great Amen. All right. Yeah, Dale.
said Africa, right? Okay. I'll pray for him. Lord, we just want to lift up his grandson to you, Jesse, and Lord, we just thank you so much that you have people like that that are willing to go out of the comfort zone that they've been brought up in and to go minister to people that have less. And Lord, I just ask that you bless their trip as I know they're coming to you and they're asking that you prepare the hearts of the people over there, that they receive your good message, Lord, and I pray for the doctor's hands and the nurses, um, Lord, that they could be able to bring cures to these people. And... Um, Lord, that their souls would be saved. That's the most important because we know that in this life that our body can be healed and then it'll go on and start breaking down again. That's just how it goes and uh, because of sin. But we know that when you come in and you renew us and you make us that new, Lord, that that's not how it is, that it keeps breaking down, that we are new and uh, you've reserved us for eternity and we thank you for that. So we just pray for the whole trip and everything would go smooth with these guys, that Jesse would have a great time and be able to grow closer to you and the things that you're going to take him through on this trip, Lord. And, uh, yeah, just thank you for his heart, Lord. Amen. All right, anybody else? All right, I'm going to pull Sean here. Wait for it. How many of you guys, or, or let's see, let's just get two people, but two people that would share in what God has been doing with you, because we haven't done this in a while, right? So hopefully there's somebody that God's been working in your guys' lives. But they would just like to share with us and encourage us in what God's been doing in your life and, and some stuff he's been taking you through or some stuff he's been showing you through scripture or even things that you've been having to go to him about because you've been challenged on it. So that would be great if somebody would just share with us and encourage us or I'll ask somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and usually if your head's down, I'll pick you. No. <laughs> Is there anything, anybody? All right, Cindy. Good. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Builds our faith, doesn't it? Yeah. Good. See, that was easy. So somebody else. No? You guys need to get closer with Jesus. <laughs> Down the, well, this this will be a great message then, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, even stuff that the Lord's been taking through in Scripture would just be encouraging. Anybody reading anything good? Yeah. All right.
Good, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Because making the new guy talk. See how it is. <laughs> All right. Well, the pressure's off now. But you know, I might do that next week. We'll see. So be, be uh, walking with Jesus this week. <laughs> Burn. All right, I'll share with you. Awesome thing happened today. I got to share Jesus with this 18-year-old and just lay it out. Get to talk to him all about it, challenge him on what he's already believing. Had a lot of great questions, and we just went through the word, and, and we just got to talk about some great things. Now, you guys going to be praying for him. I won't give his name, but you know that he'll come to the Lord. I think it, um, it's set up that way. I mean, he's asked questions and stuff, so really cool. And I, I was hoping for that, because any of the guys that get put with me to work are going to hear Jesus a lot. But the biggest comment he had, and the funniest one was, is that he didn't know that Christians listened to heavy metal. And uh, <laughs> he's always been told that's the devil's music. And uh, that's what I love to listen to when I'm out working. So <laughs> it's great Christian stuff. I said, well, you notice it's probably got some good lyrics with these all. Yeah, I noticed that. It, it, sings, it sings about Jesus. I was like, that's right, buddy. <laughs> if they're going to yell about Jesus, it's good stuff. Praise him. It says, shout to the Lord, right? <laughs> so that is, yeah, that was a cool day. Yeah. <laughs> Scream unto the Lord. That's the new version. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was awesome. I was super happy. I've been praying that, you know, that I'd get the opportunity to be able to talk about it. And so it's cool. Really good. So, go ahead and turn over to Hebrews. And we'll see how far I'm, I'm actually thinking we might get done a little early tonight. Just because I don't want to jump into the next section. The next, next one, I really enjoy chapter 4 and talking about the rest and us coming into the rest. We're going to hit it on a little bit tonight, but I don't want to dive into it because that's what mostly chapter 4 is about. And there's a lot there to talk about, so it was just too big to go through 3 and 4, and so we'll just go through 3 tonight, chapter 3 of Hebrews. This is the part, and you guys remember me talking about that Hebrews goes through, and he really wants to, the writer wants to demonstrate to the Hebrews that Jesus is superior to the old way. So superior to the angels, superior to the prophets, superior to Moses, superior to the temple, superior to the priestly order. And, and it goes through that in this book and just tears it open and just showing them that Jesus is so much more than what the old way was, what the old covenant was. And now you have this new covenant of grace that's in Jesus Christ. And so it really gives this whole presentation of who Jesus is, and it compares them with these different people or things, you know, talking about the temple. So there's going to be some parts in tonight that we'll talk a little bit about the priest, the high priest, but like I said before, in chapter 5 and at the end of chapter 4, it really gets into the high priest. And we're going to dive into that. What was the high priest? What did he do? What did that look like, that whole process? What does it mean that Jesus is even the high priest? Especially to us being Gentiles, because it's kind of like we never had a high priest in the sense of a man going and, and uh, spreading the blood on the mercy seat. So there's things that are for us are going to be a little bit interesting to study through. And I really want to go on the background so we can understand it. You guys know that the Hebrews, of course, these people that are, are getting this message, they were raised in that. So they knew the order. They, from, from a young child, they were told, this is how things are done. This is what God set aside for us. Here's the Levitical law. And these are the things that we need to follow so that we can please God. And uh, then Jesus comes and completely rocks their world. So 
the very first part of this. We'll go ahead and let's read uh, verses 1 through 6 to get started. It says in chapter 3 of Hebrews, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. In verse 6, but Christ as a son as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. And Lord, we just ask you to speak to us, teach us through your word, Lord, and how superior you are to Moses. And I know that we as Gentiles, of course, we recognize that because we were introduced to you first before Moses, but give us understanding on what it would be like to be on that other side and, and have Moses first and then, and then introduce yourself and say that you're greater, Lord. We want to understand uh, you know, how much greater and, and what, what significance does it have in our own lives. And so just as we go through these scriptures, and especially in that second part that you have for us, Lord, that you would just open up our hearts and, and our ears, that we would hear and that we would take in what you have to speak to us and, and the things you have to challenge us, especially down in verse 13, Lord. Um, I ask that you just speak through me. Lord, we're excited to get into your word, and we love you so much, and thank you for the work that you do in our lives, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. So that first verse there, therefore... Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Uh, probably save people, right? Those two titles, you wouldn't give those to somebody that doesn't believe. So right away we know that the context here and who he's going to be speaking to is the holy brethren. It's going to be people that believe in Jesus Christ. And that's the book to Hebrews, so it's probably what we call nowadays Messianic Jews. Those that believe in Jesus Christ that are Jewish. Um, and the problem, like I've said before, is that these guys were returning to the old ways. They are really having a hard time of cutting loose of what they'd been brought up in and their whole foundation in that and seeing how Jesus Christ blends with that. And they had so many people coming in and telling them that you have to put the two together to make sense of it. So you can't completely take out Moses and put Jesus there. They somehow have to go together. So law and grace have to coincide. And the writer of Hebrews is like, no. <laughs> That was an old way. That was to introduce us to this law of grace. That was, and you can go through Galatians, you can go through Romans, and it really gets into that with Paul describing how that looks and talking about the law being a tutor. But one of the foundations and the one that he had to go with was Moses. That was a big challenge for them because everything wrote off of Moses. Moses is the most important. Within Judaism, Moses is the most important person in Judaism. He wrote the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, Okay. That is important because they find that is really, that's the solid word of God, is the Torah. And so when you look at the man that wrote that, of course, he's going to be one of the most important people or the most important uh, person within Judaism because of what he delivered and how God used him. And so when you challenge and you come in and you say that Jesus, and you guys remember that so many times Paul had to refute them because the rumor was is that Paul was trying to take out Moses and say that he was of no value. Which that was, that was a big head-on, and Satan knew about that. He knew that that would cause strife within, within the uh, Jewish culture because Moses was the, the central place of how God spoke to his people, is through that man. So to attack him would auto automatically shut their ears off to anything that's being said about the Messiah, about Jesus Christ. 
So it's like anything. If we go and we talk with somebody and you guys find out they're a different religion, if you attack their religion, automatically they're going to be shut off to what you have to say. That's just how it goes. Even today when I was talking with this kid, he comes from Catholicism, and I was being very careful to talk about Catholicism and, and, and the ways that I had to talk about, you know, well, go and I would just challenge him, go look at this. Like, why do, you, why do you have to do those certain things that you've been brought up to do? Who told you to do that? Was it the scriptures? Was it the church? Was it the pope? And then and, and asking, you know, and, and giving it to them to go and question what they've involved themselves and what they've committed themselves to, rather than going in there and saying, you're absolutely wrong, you've been deceived, your parents are wrong, your, your whole, everything is just wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm here to tell you because I've stepped on the scene. You know, and what arrogance it is to do that. Um, we know that definitely through the scriptures you go through and read, and you can go through all the different religions and, and men's philosophy and, and even humanism, and you can see, of course it's wrong. We know it is. It's not truth. We have the truth, but to deliver that to the people, you have to be careful. And that's why when this writer goes through this, he's very careful in how he delivers it to him. He wants to show him that Jesus Christ is superior to Moses, but he doesn't completely discredit Moses. And he does it very well in how he does this. And it's just a great lesson for us to follow. If you guys are going to go out and talk with somebody, even family members, yes, you have the truth. Be careful on how you deliver it. Still give the truth? Absolutely. Don't back off from that. But be careful because it's going to depend on how they're going to receive it. And then there's the ones that in Peter it says the snatch them out of the fire, right? Give it to them hard. <laughs> yeah, whatever. All right. <laughs> so that second part, okay, the partakers of the heavenly calling, what an awesome thing, and what we've been privileged to be partakers of as well, right? Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. And so right away it steps in and it says consider. It does not say consider Moses, our great prophet. It doesn't go there. He right immediately goes into Jesus and he says consider. And to consider is to study closely or to carefully uh, evaluate or to understand fully. So it's really saying dive in, check out Jesus. You know, you can encourage people that, that hate church or they say, I don't go, I don't get into that religion stuff because of church. And it's like, man, you, you know what? If you go and you check out the people there, yeah, I wouldn't be into religion either. <laughs> I mean, people are going to fail you. There's a lot of great people in, in the church, but, you know, you're, you're probably going to get hurt along the way. Somebody's going to rub you wrong, and, and then I guarantee you're probably going to rub somebody else wrong. So you have to look to Jesus. Like, that, that's the person you have to go and you have to follow. So you have to consider Jesus. Don't consider anybody else. Consider him. And what the scripture says is consider him. He's the apostle and he's also high priest. That first one with the apostle is the, usually the, the definition there of what an apostle is, one sent with a commission. One sent with a commission. And so Jesus being sent from the Father on commission, and what was he to do? Go to the cross, right? Live that perfect life, go to the cross as a sacrifice, and then be accepted as a sacrifice and raised, assuring that that sacrifice was accepted. That's Jesus coming in as the apostle. And then what it's doing is it starts automatically saying that here's the two titles I'm going to give Jesus Christ. Consider him as an apostle and a high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. So he's going to bring in Moses now, and he's going to deliver it and show what the two differences are. But the titles he gives, he doesn't give those to Moses. And we know that Moses was commissioned by God, wasn't he? I mean, he was a leader. He was a prophet of God. But the thing was is that Jesus came from God and Moses was raised up by God. 
right? There's a big difference, and there's a lot of difference in authority there on, on what that apostleship was. And so Jesus was sent by the Father into the world, and Moses was from the world, called to be a prophet and a leader. Uh, Moses was called and commissioned by God, but Jesus was sent by God. And, God, and Jesus, remember the very first part of this letter is Jesus was sent as God's last word, right, into the world. Where Moses was bringing in that, that revelation and, and with all the law and everything else that he brought in. Still very important. And that's why in verse 2, that's why he talks about that. That's why he hits a little bit on, you know, he was faithful and he also gives that credit being that Moses was also faithful. He didn't want to erase that from Moses because Moses was a faithful servant. And then when he calls him high priest, uh, Jesus being that uh, of the man that goes before God for the people. Jesus has that title, great high priest, um, where he took his own blood to cover our sins. Unlike the other high priest, which had to take the blood of an animal, he gets to take in this perfect blood and once and for all deliver it and cover our sins. Now Moses, the interesting thing about Moses is that he did have, at times he would go before God for the people, wouldn't he? That's what the high priest would do is they would, especially that one times in the year, they would go in with the blood or with the, the atonement. Well, Moses did the same. He would go in before, the, before God for the people. But the thing is that Moses never took on the title high priest. That was never his role. And uh, if you guys want to write a verse down, Psalms 99.6, it describes or it talks about Moses being an, or serving as a priest. He did serve as a priest. But his older brother Aaron was the one that had the title high priest. Moses never had that. And then what he wants to do, this writer wants to show the Jewish people is like, you know what, it's, it's great. Moses was a faithful servant. He went before God, but the thing is, is that his title wasn't there. He wasn't there to deliver that blood. That's what Jesus Christ, that's how Jesus Christ is superior to Moses in that. And that's why he gives him those two titles. I think it's awesome, and I, I like how this is said, that Jesus as an apostle represented God to men. Okay? Jesus, as an apostle, represented God to men. He brought God and, and, and showed that obedience that he had. And then Jesus, as a high priest, represents men to God in heaven. So the apostles, he's bringing God to us, and then the other is that he brings us before God in heaven. Those two roles that Jesus has in that first verse. And then Moses was a primary prophet of the law, and Jesus is the messenger of God's grace. And then in verse 2 again, and it talks about how they were both faithful. Jesus obeyed to the cross, and Moses was faithful in all God's ways. In Numbers 12.7, Numbers 12.7, it says right there that Moses was faithful in all the ways to God. It's a neat little place that it shows, and I wish, I know, I don't think that would ever be written of me, but I would hope, you know, it'd be so neat to see that here's the Holy Spirit penning this through him, and he gets to write that down, that he was faithful in all things to God. So Moses was awesome, awesome, of course, and he was very important to their culture in, in what the introduction to Jesus Christ and grace was. And he was faithful to him who pointed him, talking about Jesus in verse 2, faithful to the Father, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. In verse 3, for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, and as much as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Now that glory in Moses put together, what does that make you guys think of? Is there a place in Scripture that talks about glory in Moses? The shining, right? 
Let's go over there. Let's check that out over in 2 Corinthians. And there's so many times that even when Jesus speaks in the scriptures, it's so neat because Jesus will use things that are very culturally uh, uh, appropriate to those people at that time. And so if you start researching and you see what would come to the mind automatically, because there's a lot of stuff that us, we could just say one term, and I can't think of one off my head, of course, off the top of my head, of course, but it would be something that us as Americans would all, we would know. You know, it would be some saying or some old catchphrase or, or something like that that we would all, we would know it because it's part of our culture. I got to find that out when we went across, you know, down south is like some of the things that I, I didn't even understand that were culture. I'd try to say them there and people look at me like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense at all. I tried to describe it to them and they're even more lost because it wasn't a part of their culture. They had no idea what I was even talking about in the background there. And then when they would do the vice versa, they would try to explain it to me. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know why this is so funny to you or, <laughs> or whatever. So, but it's interesting in, in that that cross-cultural and, and what's delivered. So when the, the writer comes in there and he wants to deliver it, and, and I like to look into the Scripture and see that as soon as they put two words together, what would that spark in their mind? Well, one of the biggest things that happened with Moses is that glory when he would come down in that veil. So you have to see in their mind that automatically it'd be like, okay, there's more glory in Jesus Christ than there was in Moses. I mean, Moses' face was shining. How can you get more glory than that? And so then he talks about it. Go over to, or we are already over there, 2 Corinthians, I don't know if I said the chapter, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Verse 10, For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. And just that whole looking at and seeing with Moses coming down from the mountain and having that kind of glory still on his face and, and, and showing the glory. Like he'd been up there talking to God and now he's coming down and his face is still glowing. Just imagine seeing somebody like that. That you knew they're, they're in the presence of God and now they're, they're actually, they're, they're, their skin is glowing. It's, somehow it's a glowing dark skin. I don't know. You know, when you put that up in the light and my kids have those toys and all of a sudden it's super bright. A person's face like that. You, you would get known for history, you know, and down in history for having the glowing face. But what, what Moses wanted to do is he wanted to cover up because he wanted to show that the glory wasn't going to fade, that it was there, that that authority was still there. And so he would hide it so they couldn't see it fading away until he'd go up the next time, and then he'd come down and it would shine, and then he had to put the veil as soon as it started fading. And that was just such a cool picture of God and how he worked that out because of how the ministry of like what it says there um, uh, of the, where is it? At seven, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of the countenance, which glory was passing away. You know, the ministry of death. And then verse 9, for the ministry of condemnation had glory. And that doesn't seem like that would have glory. 
but it was fading away because there was a new one that was going to excel it, that it was not going to be as glorious. And so when he writes that and he talks about Jesus or having more glory than Moses, well, Moses had this glory. And then if you read on in verse 14, it says, well, here's what happens with them. This is what's going on in their minds. Verse 14, it says, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Have you guys ever tried to go through the Old Testament with, with the, uh, a Jewish person? and try to show them Jesus Christ through it? If you haven't, there's a veil there. I've never, I, I mean, it was like automatically when I was talking with them, we got to talk to several of them when we were in uh, Israel, because they, what they do is they invite um, as many as many Jewish people over as they can, and they'll play, pay for their plane ticket. I don't know if this is the way anymore, but they'd pay for the plane ticket, so they come over because they were re- trying to repopulate it. And so you have all these young people going around and taking these different classes with different rabbis to understand their faith better. And so you could catch these people everywhere and you get to challenge them on what they're believing. So we had to sit down a lot of times and there were so many times you take them back to the Old Testament, right to Isaiah where it's clear as day that it's talking about Jesus Christ and it was blind. There was, I mean, it was seriously like you wanted to open it up and be like, here, let me let you out of there. And we would just pray before we'd go out like, Lord, whatever needs to happen, tear that veil down in these people's mind because we could see it so clearly. In verse 15, but even to this day when Moses has read, a veil lies on their heart. And what it's talking about, that goes right with Hebrews. The veil was still on their heart. They were still looking at Moses as if he still had the glory. Because they didn't know. They didn't know it was fading away. And so they're looking at Moses and still singing, you know, hey, this is the glory. This is where it's at. There is nothing new. Verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, his, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so neat that we get to be a part of that, right? That they're still blinded, but we get to be part of that glory. We don't have that veil, we get to enter into that glory which changes us. So back over to Hebrews. And now what he's going to start talking about is he starts getting into a house because he wants to explain to these people, okay, this is where it's at. I'm going to help you guys understand a little bit better and we're going to bring a little construction in and that's what he was doing with them. So you have the builder of the house in verse 3. It says, For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. And this is why, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Any of you guys that have built anything, if you show it to somebody they're not going to turn to that object and be like, wow, you're so awesome. <laughs> this is great. Wow, I can't believe that you look the way you do. You know? <laughs> and while you're standing there being like, you, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Like, I did the work. What are you talking about? I get it. Right now we're doing this awesome uh, stone archway out in front of these people's house. It's that fake stone. But anyways, it looks awesome.